Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Wednesday, March the 7th, 2018. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesco. Chet, a little bit of a rough week for the Flyers and Sixers, although both are still in good shape for playoff contention. The Sixers currently holding that sixth spot, but just two games out of the third spot with 19 games to go while the Flyers are in the number three spot due to that crazy game in hand with a big matchup tonight against the second-place Penguins at the Wells Fargo Center, followed by the Bruins tomorrow night in Boston. A big couple days for the Flyers, and don't forget college basketball tournaments are underway, and March Madness is upon us. Yeah, Bill, March and April are exciting times on the sports scene, and who knows, maybe one of our Philly teams will even be playing into May. You just never know. Oh, by the way, Chet, uh, just in case you forgot, the Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl 52 champions. <laughs> you know what? It's funny you mention that because this is true. I was outside shoveling snow a few hours ago. Yeah, lots of snow here, uh, here in Philly, Bill, uh, my Florida friend. And I was not happy about the shoveling, but then I looked up and I saw the Eagles Super Bowl champions flag in front of my house. And despite the weather, it brought a big smile to my face. Well, they also made a trade today, so we're going to discuss that uh, kind of interesting move, and we'll, we'll get to that a little, bit, a little bit later. But we've yep. got a busy show in front of us with two guests tonight, so let's get it rolling. We'll have Philly's Director of Fun and Games. I just love that title, John Brazier, joining us later. But we want to welcome our first guest, making his first visit to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, the man that goes by Boop, Bob Petrone Jr. Welcome, Boop. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, what time is it in Florida, by the way? <laughs> it is uh, t- time for the sun to go down. Yeah, just about. <laughs> hey, Boop, this is Chet. Thanks a bunch for joining us. I know we're prying you away from your basketball viewing. I'm guessing you're watching hoops pretty much nonstop all this week. Is that right? Uh, I haven't been yet so far because I'm working on some things and my wife's been home and all, but my plan is to park myself in a bar right around noon tomorrow and uh, try to make it through the whole weekend without without seeing daylight, um, depending on how many of our local teams win. And, and I got to schedule when they would play if they keep winning and how many people show up and buy me beers or dinner. So uh, <laughs> I mean, I've been paying attention to a lot of the ACC so far. You know, Notre Dame. You know, Notre Dame was a 17-point favorite as a 10 seed the other day. So, you know, you look for stuff like that early in the week for the lower rounds. But once our guys start to kick in, uh, if LaSalle hopefully wins tonight, it starts to get rolling tomorrow, especially if guys like me who actually are paying attention to, like, the Drexel women and the Penn women who play <laughs> later in the week. So, uh, yeah, my uh, my bar-watching ho- television days will start tomorrow. Cloud <laughs> driveway, like um, you know, Hopefully by then. My wife thinks Boop I'm shuffling the driveway so she can get to work and my daughter can get to school. I'm really doing it so I can get to a bar tomorrow. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. I don't blame you. Hey, Bob, as you well know, the NCAA's Selection Sunday show will be a bit different this year. Uh-huh. All 68 teams in the field will be revealed in the first 15 minutes of the two-hour show before they detail brackets, matchups, and locations. Now, most fans don't seem to like this. What's your take? I put me right there at the top of the heap with most fans. You know, <laughs> they didn't learn their lesson a couple of years ago when they did a bracket and then spent a half hour talking about it. 
and the entire nation went up in arms then. That, you don't mess with something that works well, and that, that show works as good as any non-actual event in the sporting industry anywhere. Why they're doing it like this is beyond me. To me, the, 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 the surprising part of the bracket was not just who's in, but if you're in, who you're playing, where's, what city you got to worry about getting to as a fan and a team and administration, and what time, what day are you playing? So they've taken all that and piecemealed it into across a two-hour show. And that's the other thing is that, you know, the actual show is going to be two hours. I can see where they drag this out so it's after 7 o'clock before Villanova knows where, where or when they're playing. Yep. And that's awful. Well, hey, Bob, it looks like, you know, you mentioned Villanova. We'll certainly get to them. But uh, the Penn Quakers, 12-2, and 22-8 uh, and eight overall. Do they have to win the Ivy to get in, or is there a chance that they could sneak into one of those uh, two wild cards? Yeah, no, they're not. They're not going to get a at-large bid to the NCAA. In fact, they get a little bit screwed. Also, uh, the NIT automatically takes any regular season champion that doesn't win the uh, conference tournament, and technically, they recognize Harvard as having finished first in the Ivy League. So there's no guarantee they get an NIT bid either um, if they happen to get through the weekend without winning. But I think they got a pretty good shot. Let me give you a quick Penn stat, if you don't mind. Uh, since they played Villanova on November 29th. Villanova is twenty and four, Penn is seventeen and five. Uh, it's different. Obviously, it's a different level of competition, but seventeen and five is seventeen and five. So um, yeah, they got wins, a good right? enough shot. They got as good enough shot to come out of that weekend winning as anything, and that's as much because of where they're playing as how they're playing. Well, Boop, since you mentioned Penn, I'm going to mention Penn State because I'm a Penn State alum, and I have to ask: the Nittany Lions went twenty-one and thirteen this season with three wins over Ohio State. But they're a bubble team, understandably. Do you think they get to the dance? I know Nebraska's also on the bubble. Boy, I'm, I'm only guessing at this, but I'm thinking 13 losses, even as a Big Ten team, is a little uh, hard to get them in there now. They've gotten a little bit of a break in that there's already six number one seeds from the, the conferences that have gotten in. Uh, so there's less, there's not as many upsets as there normally have been in the first couple of, uh, like, no four or five seeds getting in for automatic bids yet. So if, if that keeps up, if a lot of the one-bid leagues only get the one bid, um, like, for instance, Gonzaga did not lose and that kind of thing, then, then they got a little bit of a shot. But there's, there's a lot between now and then. I mean, I guess they got their eye on Notre Dame tonight um, big time. Uh, because, you know, there's a lot of question about Notre Dame with Colson being back. And, and, you know, are they – are they NCAA tournament worthy? So, um, how did you like the Big Ten tournament being the week early, and A and B being in Madison Square Garden? I was okay with it being a week early, but yeah, it felt kind of weird to have it at Madison Square Garden. But uh, I did watch some of it. I was rooting for Penn State, of course, and they played pretty well. You know, the first couple of games, but I guess they were no match for Purdue. Yeah, yeah, Purdue was playing really well there. Um, it seemed like I was afraid that they weren't going to get crowds up there, that people might be holding off until the Big East, but they ended up getting some good crowds, especially later in the uh, tournament, very vocal crowds. So um, I don't know what their schedule is, but they may be coming back again to the to the uh, Big Apple. Yeah, I, I was I was surprised at the Madison Square Garden thing myself. It's kind of like playing the football game at Indy. It, it's kind of kind of a weird weird setup, but I guess it worked out okay for them again. Yeah, I guess they're kind of giving little uh, hops. It might have been a deal to get hop, uh, Rutgers into the league is that we'll come play the basketball tournament in your backyard some year. Um, and, you know, and it's New York City, so you're going to get the press. So it's a win-win for the league. Well, hey, Bob, you know, I'm, a, I'm an old-school uh, Big Five guy. You and I have talked about this before and uh, all the way mm-hmm. back to when your, dad, when your dad was around the palestra all the time and I was just yeah, a kid. You older than I, though. Let's be sure about that. Yeah, I, I hate to say it, but yeah, I think so. But, hey, I'm kind of curious, what's your take? You know, St. Joe's just isn't the St. Joe's of old. LaSalle hasn't been more than a little bit good for a little while. Penn's finally getting back. Temple's okay. What's happened to Big Five basketball? It's just not It's not too much. Well, part of the problem is that, you know, it's – uh, it's not so much what's happened to the Big Five. It's what happened to the, the league and the country around it. You know, they're – in the old days, and, you know, back in the 60s, 70s, it was like the East. It was the, the East, and then there was the West, and then there was the South. And the Big Five always had a pretty good strong stranglehold on what was going on in the Northeast section of the country. Now, as TV comes along and the UCLA starts getting good, and now some of the best local kids 
are thinking about going to other schools throughout the country. Uh, other schools are getting better. The Big East pops up on TV. So now, you know, Villanova and Connecticut and all these teams are getting guys from Michigan and Texas that they normally wouldn't. Um, and that's harder for the other schools in the Big Five. So I think it's the the landscape nationally has kind of overstepped the Big Five, but I don't ever want to be the Kentuckys of the world or the Dukes every year of the world that don't get to the Final Four and it's and it's a failure. That's just that's not that's not what I want. Yes, Villanova's almost in that spot, but you know if LaSalle wins today and tomorrow, that's a successful season for them. You know with with what they've had and what they've got. Um, I would wish they were a few were in a little bit better ponds where they. Rather than being middle fish in a big pond, they had a little better uh, leagues to play in. But, you know, you talked about St. Joe's. You know, five of the last nine Atlantic 10 tournament champions were four seeds. Guess who happens to be the four seed in this year's tournament? (laughs) St. Joe's, who, Hmm. by the way, in 2016 and 2014, won the Atlantic 10 tournament as a four seed. So, you know, um, they got a little bit of a, a... bad break 30 minutes into the year when Lamar Kimball got hurt or else we'd have an entirely different conversation about them. Um, but again, they're in that league and that's, that's a winnable league because you, you don't need to beat a great team every round. You just need to, if you can get somebody to top beat the top seed and then you sneak in there, it, it's, it's winnable. So, um, you know, I, I've always have hope in St. Joe's and, you know, LaSalle again, if they can get, if they can get a win today and tomorrow, I will not tell you that their quarterfinal record in the Atlantic Ten is one and ten. Um, but you know, first things first. Let's see. Let's get to past UMass today. Yes, indeed. Hey, I don't follow college hoops anywhere near as closely as you, Boop. But You're fired. it seems like <laughs> it seems like this year once again there are a lot of teams that could win it. No clear two or three favorites. Is that right? I agree. You know, Virginia a little bit. But mostly because they're in the ACC and they've kind of been the most consistent team, looks like they might be not head and shoulders above the rest of the league, maybe shoulders. Um, if you take Villanova and they've had some injury problems that not so much has hurt their record as much as it's messed with their rotation a little bit, um, they might be 1A or 1B, however you look at it. But everybody else down there, I mean, you know, the Michigan States and the you know, those teams are all right there in the next block, and I don't think that Virginia or Villanova, or unless only either either one is invincible um, at any point. It's it's going to be a lot of fun, I think. And there's uh, you know, and every once in a while you get a Connecticut that blows through and wins six straight Big East tournament games and six straight Big East games and comes out of nowhere. So um, that could be the year somebody comes around this year that does that again. Well, Bob, talking about Villanova, um, what do you think? I mean, some nights they look great. Some nights that three-point shooting is not so great. Um, Yeah. You know, and they certainly seem to live and die by that. Um, They really do. The three-point number number I always look at is how many you miss. Because every three-point miss, you're basically giving the team the other ball, the other team the ball. It's very rare you get an offensive rebound on a three. So when you start to miss in the mid-teens, you need to stop taking them and find another way to score. If you're going to shoot six for 24, you're not going to win that game. It's just it's just never the, the, the case. Um, and they do have enough other uh, inside firepower from the guards and the forwards to be able to score inside the arc. I don't ever see Amari Spellman. If he takes more than two threes a game, it drives me crazy because I know he can shoot it, but he can't rebound from out there. Um, and I like to I like to DVR the games a lot so I can stop and look at things. And I hate when he takes a three and I'll pause the game and there's no one like Pasquale's not underneath and the guards are out and it's just giving the ball away if he's not making it. So there are good threes and there are bad threes. Um, and like I said, if you get into a night where you're just missing them, you got to find another way to score. Kind of things like, you know, we talk a lot about Brunson and Devenzio, but, you know, one of my favorite guys is Booth. And this year, they're 22-2 and two when Booth plays 5-2 and two when he was out with the wrist injury. Um, and so I, I like him a lot. I think he adds a lot to the rotation. And it also helps keeps Jay in a good substitution role. Um, and, it, and, the, and because he's played with them for three years, especially Brunson, they've got a lot better feel for everybody when he's on the court. Oh, I agree. And and I couldn't agree with you more on this three-point thing. And, and Chet and I have this discussion 
many times that uh, to me it's, it, it ruined the game from how it used to be. They don't play basketball like they did now. It's one guy trying, especially in the NBA, one tr- guy trying to make a move and four guys standing at the arc waiting for something to yeah. come back to well, uh, the NBA the is not the same sport as college basketball. It's just that oh, simple. Oh, no doubt. Um, no doubt. You know, I've I've grown to a, uh, appreciate the three pointer because a lot of teams are using it correctly. Uh, the inside out pass, and not just at the end of games, and you draw plays and picks and and screens for the threes, which wasn't happening when it came around in the mid '80s. Um, I always, my father always mentioned this, and I remember too. When they came out in the mid '80s and said they were going to have a three point shot from 23 feet or whatever it was. John Wooden had the perfect quote. He said, you ought to get three points for a layup because it's harder to get. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I so, love that. By the way, right. uh, Bill Nova yeah. opens tomorrow. It's Big East uh, run. Uh, I just wanted to give you a quick look at their last six years, their opening game in the Big East. They won by 21, won by 13, lost by one, won by 35, won by 14, and won by 41. So, um, they've uh, taken, they've teed off on their opening round opponent five of the last six years. Something to look forward to if that's the kind of thing that's in your wheelhouse. Gotcha. All right, so we know some of the big names. Villanova, one of the favorites, Duke, Virginia, Michigan State, Michigan, Kansas. Um, any schools not among the obvious names that you think could make one of those deep runs this year? Uh, you know, it's funny. North Carolina, who you would think wouldn't be in that, they're the sixth seed in the ACC. Um, I would never not consider North Carolina. You know, if they were six and twenty and made the field, I'd worry about it. Um, you know, the um, as far as the rest of the nation goes, again, like you were talking about uh, Michigan, they've got that Connecticut look about them from uh, the Kenby Walker thing, where they got real hot in the league. Um, they've got some talent. They know how to play the tougher teams, um, and they can do it a lot of different ways. I just wonder what the twelve days off is going to mean to a team like them that hasn't had 12 days off since early November. Um, so it'll be, but it's fun. It's, I think we'll, I always look at the NCAA tournament as like a tier. Like the first weekend is like a, you can play almost anybody and try to get by it. Whatever kind of team you're in front of, you have to beat. And then you get to the second weekend and it's more of a, you know, more of a higher level. These are the best teams and I've got to really be prepared for this. Um, you know, a lot of times those first-round teams are against teams you don't even – you barely have film on. I mean, it's different these days than it was 20 years ago, but, you know, Western Kentucky, A&M, you know, Visitation State doesn't play on TV every week. Right. Well, Bob, what do you think about that Xavier Musketeers? 27-4, and four, they've won 12 of their last 14, both of those losses being to Villanova handily. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But they, they seem to have taken care of business against everybody else. Can they uh, – can they be a threat? Absolutely. You know, my father and I were like this. We've had certain teams we like through the years, um, different schools, not as much because of the relationship he's had with some of the past coaches and stuff. And Xavier, ever since they joined the Atlantic 10 and became more of an op- opponent for our local teams, has always been one of our favorites. Uh, and I'm always on the lookout for Xavier. First of all, because anybody that does an A to Z NCAA tournament um, thing has to use Xavier as their ex. Um, so I've always been – Scared is the word, or respective of Xavier, um, and they really put it back, put it all together this year. How they did not, how they, how Villanova got them twice is pretty amazing because I think on those two days uh, they were there for the taking. Um, but again, in one of the things you need to do in the conference tournament and in the NCAA is that Villanova may not need to beat Xavier a third time. You know, if uh, one of the other schools, Seton Hall, somebody can take care of them early on, you know, that's that's why it's such a nice hurdle-like thing in these conference tournaments. You don't always have to beat the best team, just have to beat whoever's in front of you. going to be a fun next few weeks, that's for sure. Hey, but let's talk a little pro basketball very quickly. I remember seeing sure. on Facebook a month into the season, one of your friends posted, you heard it here first, Boop says the 76ers will win a playoff series this season. Well, they're 35-28 and 28 and poised to move up in the East, so I'm guessing you still feel that way? Yeah, um, I'm not a – yeah, Embiid is that good that – he can help. He can will them to a win over a pretty, a uh, not a great team in the thing. They're, they're not going to finish eighth and take out the top seed in the first round. That's not going to happen. Right. That was based on the fact that they're going to finish sixth, fifth, or fourth in my head. Um, and if they could finish fourth, that would be a coup because they've really been playing well at home. Uh, so yeah, they're they've not disappointed. 
um, me in that respect. Now, you know, you sit there and you read about people talking about getting to the conference final because they're going to knock up, the, get to the three seed and all this stuff. And I don't know that they're quite there yet. Um, and it, the, the stat I give you about the Sixers is in the last 35 years, uh, the East representative in the final has been a one or a two seed 31 times. So if they were to make the final, they're not going to do it out of any slot below three. So, you know, small steps. Um, I'm not a big trust the process guy to begin with, um, but they certainly are a lot better spot than they are a couple years ago. Um, And they can win a a series against pretty much anybody in the East except the top two teams. And who knows, with a break or two or, you know, with Simmons and, you know, plays as well as he has at certain times during the year and Embiid shows up and, might want to keep his mouth shut a little bit more in the playoffs. They could steal a series against somebody really good. I agree. Hey, Bob. Hey, Bob. I have to ask you. As time's running out already, we could talk about this stuff all night. But I have to ask you: Where did you get your love of the stats? Uh, that, that, you know, that's something that you're well known for, and uh, you got them. Yeah, when I was real young, uh, my parents were divorced, so my father, whenever he would come over or come visit me or take me to dinner, would always bring me, like, the NBA fact and record book or the official baseball guide. In fact, I'm staring at the 1972 official baseball guide here in my office with Joe Torre on the cover and stuff. So I've always been looking at that. Um, You know, my father was so into it, so I always had something to talk about with him. And either I was good at math because of how much I poured through these books or I poured through these books because I was so good at math. So it just came along easily to me um, for that reason. Um, And it's fun. And the fact that I was able to find a way to at least get a little bit of payment for doing most of the stuff that's fun, it just, it just, it grew. And um, I got real lucky in the fact that in this town at the time I grew up, it was just so many good things to, to worry about, you know, the Sixers and the Flyers and the Phillies and, of course, college basketball. And I forget the football team's name, but, you know. Um, so the time the time and place that I grew up with, the people I grew up around, I couldn't have done anything else. And, uh, you know, one of these days I have to go out and get a real job, and nobody wants to do that. That's right. And by the way, just in case anybody's listening and doesn't know, your father was Bob Vitrone Sr. Uh, people know him in, in the Philly area from television work with the Big Five and in the newspapers in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Bob Vitrone Sr., alias Buck the Bartender. Yeah. So uh, just in case people didn't know. Yeah, he actually they do. He started way back in the 40s. He came back out of the war from World War II and talked the Bolton into letting him hire uh, to cover the college basketball, which at the time was not – quite the beat it was now it was looked upon sort of like we look at uh like going the indoor soccer and then those things so it was they said sure you come take care of that and uh, you know arizona and goa when they do well we'll send the big guys um but he was able to latch on that way and as he grew in the newspaper business the big five grew and college basketball as a whole around the country grew so i'm not taking credit for him for that but hey you know why not why not that's right Hey Bob, one final thing. Uh, what what are you up to today? Uh, now that your newspaper stint is at least slowed down or stopped for the moment, other than going yeah, to the bar uh, to watch the tournament. Yeah, uh, I am doing, it, I'm doing real easy. Um, I am going to get a job at some point, but for right now, I'm just trying to enjoy. I want to enjoy the pro football playoffs because, in addition to being an Eagles fan, I'm a Chiefs fan. So I got to spend all of January. You know, worrying about those two teams, although Mariota made it hard for me with the Chiefs. Um, and then, obviously, college basketball. So, between being a spe- having worked nights for 35 years, now that I can spend every night of the week home with my wife is good. Um, we've got five dogs, so I'm, I can stay with them. So, for the up until the NCAA tournament, I'm just going to sit back. Then I'll see what's out there. If somebody wants me to help them with a website or do this, I've got books I want to maybe get to at some point. But who knows? I could end up working at a bank or something at some point if it if it gets to that. But um, just after 35 years of working night work and working very hard at what I do, I figure I take a couple months and relax and talk hey, to Boop, you guys. Yeah, yeah. One final one from me, Boop. As we speak here on March 7th, uh, do you want to make an early guess as to who cuts down the nets on April 2nd? I want to say Villanova. Let's do this. How about a team that starts with V? <laughs> Not I like it. Patron. It'll be. 
So, and I don't know if Virginia Tech's going to make it, but let's let's, let's go going over Virginia. Um, one of the things I'm working on now is I'm going back and looking at a bunch of NCAA tournament records uh, for Villanova that I'm going to put out online. And um, you know, they I always forget about some of their games. They lost to Ralph Sampson in '81, um, and I always forget that game, so I had to go back and look at it. So maybe we can get back at them for that twenty, thirty, seven years later. All right. Well, Bob, I think our time is up, and uh, awesome stuff. Thanks for joining us. Uh, maybe we can get you back sometime along here in the tournament or toward the end. That'd be my pleasure. Uh, tell John Brazier, who I've never met, I said hi. Will do. Right. Thanks, so, Boop. Appreciate it. Hey, hey, Boop, what do you think about his title? The best Director t- well, of Funny Games. We the all best need title in sports in Philadelphia history. There you go, I mean, second best. I like it. Yeah, if he was director that's of fun, right. that'd be one thing. If he's director of games, that'd be cool. They put it together. I mean, you know, that's like Atlas <laughs> and Thor being in the same huddle. That's what we <laughs> say all the time. All right, Bob. Thanks. Appreciate you joining us. Thank you, gentlemen. Stay warm. We're cool. Yep. All Take right. care. Bye bye. Now we're going to take a minute to talk to Chris Gaskill, the bar manager over the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne. And, Chris, first of all, i got to say it was great seeing you not once but twice as you guys celebrated your fifth anniversary at your Bellevue Avenue location a couple of weeks back. I know. What a surprise. Thank you for coming out and celebrating with us. It was a great week. And now here we are in March, and I know that's a big month for you guys because there's going to be a lot going on in conjunction with St. Patrick's Day, which is fast approaching. Well, it is a big day for us here. If you come in, you'll never recognize the place. We're covered head to toe in green. So for St. Patty's Day, we will have uh, the John Bryn Band here in the morning from 12 to 1. And then afterwards, we'll have our house DJ. We will be serving our famous corned beef and cabbage all day long. We'll have all of our favorite Irish beers. There'll be Irish dancers, bagpipers. It will be a very long celebration. We'll also be celebrating on Thursday and Friday. Uh, Our friends from Guinness will be here on Thursday. Friday, we'll have our friends from Jameson. And then if you're feeling up to it, always join us the day after St. Paddy's Day. We do our big hair of the dog celebration. We'll have a little bit of Irish music and some more Irish dancers because we just can't get enough. Awesome. It all happens at the Irish Rover Station House on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorne. Hey, that's a perfect lead-in to check to the Eagles. Is there ever a bad time to talk about the Eagles even in March? I mean, the Birds made a trade today, getting Seahawks defensive end Michael Bennett and a seventh-round pick for a fifth-round pick from wide receiver Marcus Johnson. Uh, you know, Bennett's a 32-year-old, three-time pro bowler, but he sure had some problems along the way. And my initial look on social media shows Eagles fans not happy about bringing this type of personality into the nest. Well, here's the thing. Howie Roseman and Doug Peterson and company just won a friggin' Super Bowl. People had some questions about Nigel Bradham's past, about LeGarrette Blunt, about Jay Ajayi. And guess what? There weren't any serious problems with any of them. Howie and Doug now get some slack, some extra trust from all of us that they're doing the homework on guys they bring in. And, you know, this guy, Bennett, despite being age 32, had eight and a half sacks last season. His number is very comparable to uh, Graham. And he should be a real nice third-down pass-rushing addition. So let's give him a shot. The Eagles have a lot of guys who are going to police his activities, make sure he stays in line. So I say, why not regarding this move? Well, and I, and I do, too. Uh, I, I'm not real happy about some of his annex and, and that no, whole arrest thing in Las Vegas. But, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're bringing him in here to play some football, and hopefully uh, he fits in that rotation and takes to the leadership and, the other guys don't take to him as much as he takes to them, and uh, we'll see. But uh, the, obviously the Eagles are not going to stand pat. They don't have cap room for him, but they're going to create it. They're going to try to get good players in here. Yeah, and we, we pretty much know now that Vinnie Curry will not be back. This signing pretty, or this trade pretty much clinches that. Uh, Brent Selleck threw a little glitch into things because he says he wants to come back. And they were, I think, kind of expecting him to retire. But now he's owed something like $5 million in the coming year. So he's going to have to either restructure or they're probably going to have to say goodbye to him. I don't see them bringing Selleck back at full price. No, absolutely not. I I don't see how they could. And uh, I think we talked about this a week or two ago. If they want to keep Trey Burton, which I'm not sure they do or they don't, but that Selleck's money could be Burton's money, and that might not be a bad thing. Yeah, and by the way, this is totally, well, not unrelated, but uh, 
The other night on Wheel of Fortune, our Eagles and the Super Bowl got mentioned. I don't know if you heard that, but uh, the category was, I think, headlines, and this is how it wrapped up. I'll solve the puzzle. All right, go ahead. Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. That's it. That's it. <laughs> I love it. Turn those letters, Vanna. <laughs> I like that, too. Yeah, that's right. Hey, hey, Chet, uh, while you're fighting off your second Nor'easter in two weeks, uh, let's talk some spring training. Games are now under well underway. Uh, very busy time here in Clearwater. But as we said, you've got a chance to sit down with our buddy John Brazier, uh, who I still think has the best job title in the world, as Boop said, Philly's director of fun and games, to talk 2018 Phillies. How's John feeling about where the Phillies are going under new manager Gabe Kaplan? Well, you know, you didn't hear the interview yet. We taped it yesterday, and aside from a comment about the weather, that was, in fact, the first question I asked him, if I remember correctly. The players do seem to be buying into Kapler, and John seems to feel pretty good about the hiring as well. But let's keep in mind, it is March. Hopefully we're going to feel the same way in August and September. At any rate, though, here is my chat with John Brazer, whom I believe talked to me while he was sitting on the beach in Clearwater. Always very nice to be joined here on Philly Press Box Radio by the guy with the best title in the sports world. He's the director of fun and games for the Phillies, Mr. John Brazer. Hey, John. Chad, how you doing? Doing just fine. Probably not as well as you, though, because as you've heard, we've had some nasty weather up here in the Philly area of late, John. It's probably a whole lot nicer down there in Clearwater. We've had absolutely gorgeous weather down here in Clearwater. Not to rub it in. I know my wife's back home, my daughter, and they mentioned the power went out. And I guess there's a big storm, but out here it is absolutely gorgeous. No cloud in the skies, and it's almost like San Diego weather where it's low 70s, a nice little breeze. So sorry for all those people back home. Yeah, we're envious, but we'll get through it. Uh, John, we'll talk about some of this year's promotions in just a bit, but first got to ask, how is the team looking and how are the players responding to new manager Gabe Kapler? Well, you can't go by the record because our record, we're under 500. You can never do that in spring training just because a lot of guys are working on things, especially the first couple of weeks. Guys are trying to get in rhythm. We're playing a lot of minor league players that won't be on the roster this year. So, you know, I think it's, it's a matter of staying healthy and just the attitude. And the attitude we're seeing, Gabe Kapler is very intense. Just today, I was there early in the morning, and he was out there with some of our minor leaguers. We had some pitchers that wanted to get some time in. So Nick Pavetta was throwing. We had Zach Eflin throwing, and they were throwing to minor leaguers some of our top minor league prospects. He even had an umpire out there. He has individual player meetings with all the guys before the day starts. It's very uplifting. He's got music throughout the ballpark. He'll have reggae when you're heading towards the trainer's room. He might have country in the clubhouse. Even in the morning when you walk to the complex, the whole Carpenter complex where the minor leagues uh, reside, that is like blasting the music. And it could be 6 in the morning, 7 in the morning. So he just wants to have – we have a ping-pong table that's put in the clubhouse. He's having a ping-pong tournament with the guys. And, again, it's all just a really fun, relaxed atmosphere. Mm. As is so often the case, the Phil's fate may have to do with the pitching. No big free agent signings in terms of new starters. So are any of the guys behind Aaron Nola, names like Eikhoff, Velasquez, Lively, Pavetta, who you mentioned, Eflin, are any of those guys going to break through in a big way this year, do you think? Well, we're hoping so. Eikhoff uh, was injured last year and had a down year, and we're hoping he's, he's, coming, he's right now he's healthy. Velasquez, same thing. He had two injuries last year with a uh, right flexor. And then he had a finger. He had a vascular issue with his middle finger. But he seems, you know, he seems to be healthy right now, which is good. And then we've got a lot of guys that have had Major League Baseball experience, whether it's Eflin, uh, whether it's Mark Leiter Jr., Ben Lively, Jake Thompson. And there's a lot of these guys in camp. We have Tom Eshelman, who we got over in the Ken Giles trade. Uh, Eshelman uh, was our minor league pitcher of the year, so he could be in the mix. And then, you know, th- there's still some free agents out there. I mean, who knows if nobody is giving the, the multi-years to the Lance Lynn's of the world and to the Jake Arrieta's, you know, maybe that could fall into our lap if we like those guys at the price and years that we want. Mm-hmm. So it's still not, still not too late. But again, we've got a lot of young arms. And then we basically have a lot of guys, which is really exciting down in double A, really single A, double A, pushing triple A guys like Jose Tavares and Adonis Medina. And you're going to hear a six. I'm sure you've heard Sixto Sanchez, yep. Sir Anthony Dominguez, who pitched the other day and Ranger Suarez and Jojo Romero. So there's a lot of guys that are good young arms that are between 21 years old and 23 years old, 24, that uh, you're going to hear, be hearing from them soon. So you, know, you want to sign these veterans, but we also kind of see, want to see what we have. 
Yeah, we had your buddy Steve Potter on with us last week. I know you wrote the foreword for his book, and he was talking oh, about Oh, he, know, he knows mine like just oh, better than goodness. I do. Yeah, he was raving about Sixto and some of those other guys, so I can't wait to see them. John, you've got the annual St. Patrick's Day game a week from Saturday at Spectrum Field. Two questions. Is it true that Tug McGraw got the ball rolling on a green jersey thing way back when? And how do you always make sure to get a home game on March 17th? Two great questions, yes. Tug McGraw started the green jerseys for the Phillies on St. Patty's Day. I think he, he basically told someone in the front office, and they went with it. Tug obviously had a, had a strong personality, great personality, one of my favorite guys to ever have a chance to work with. And from that point on, we've all worn green. Now, I think it's an understanding with Major League Baseball because we have, not only do we sell out, it's, it's at capacity. You can't even walk through the concourse on St. Patty's Day. This is my 25th season, and every season we've been home for St. Patty's Day, and nice. we've worn green. Excellent. And happy anniversary, by the way. All right, the home opener is April 5th. John, I'll be there. And the first night game is April 7th. And I see you have some real nice giveaway items for both of those dates. Yeah, on the home opener, we've had a lot of different giveaways over the year. We've had rally towels and other. We are doing a Nemours opening day commemorative knit hat. It's kind of a winter hat, and it can be a little chilly at that point, but you might see these hats too, people wearing them towards the end of the year. And then that we have a day off. We always build a day off between the games in case there is a rain out or weather issue. So on Saturday, the second game is on Saturday. It's a 6:05 start against the Marlins. And we had this. If you, you've probably seen the the expression "Be Bold," and actually the players have been wearing these T-shirts. And so we're going to have a Be Bold T-shirt to McDonald's opening night, which will be pretty cool. And then the Sunday is a kids giveaway, and that's a hooded sweatshirt. And you think about a lot of these giveaways, you think they're going to be lesser quality because we're giving them away to you know, how many people. But that, this one is a sweatshirt that I'd be proud to have my, my daughter wearing. So nice. a lot of fun things on opening day weekend. Hey, I got an email the other day about a pretty cool April promotion. I honestly thought it was a misprint. You can get a ticket to all 15 April home games other than the opener for 50 bucks. Is that for real? That is correct. I believe, I'm 90% positive. Uh, that's something that we, I think we tried doing that last year towards the end of the season. And it's, it's worked out well, especially for the college kids. Yeah, nice deal. I'm hoping that my son will take me to the Father's Appreciation Day game on June 10th. A couple of nice promotions for that one, I see. Uh, oh, yeah. See, that weekend is retro weekend so on friday june 8th we always pick one era one year and june 8th we're doing 19 basically the 90s so we are going to have on that sunday it's going to be pretty cool all men 15 and over are going to get a chevrolet father's appreciation day john cruck 1990s it's a batting practice pullover so it's a red pullover now it doesn't have his name on the back because back then they didn't have names on the back so uh, it is a it'll have number 29 on it obviously it's john cruck's number so it's going to be pretty cool uh, that all, all men 15 and over are going to get the uh, John Crux 1990s batting practice pullover. Awesome. What are some of the other big promotions on tap for this season? One of the things we're going to be doing is throwback Thursdays. So everyone loves those uh, powder blue Phillies jerseys that we wore back. I think we started wearing that in 1984. We're going to be doing five consecutive Thursdays starting in April uh, where we're going to be wearing, the team will be wearing uh, that powder blue uniform. So it'll be, I think that's going to be pretty cool. Some of the giveaways, we're going to be doing a Reese Hoskins starting lineup, figurine, that's going to be on May 27th. When we do the, um, we'll not only have the 25th anniversary of the 1993 team, but we have the 10th anniversary of the 2008 team. So we're going to be doing, we're going to be bringing as many 2008 guys as we can, and that's over the weekend of August uh, 4th. And I think you probably heard we are inducting posthumously Roy Halladay and also Pat Gillick into the Phillies Wall of Fame that weekend. That'll be on August 4th, and then on August 5th, uh, which I think will be one of the more popular giveaways because obviously Brad Lidge had that perfect season. Uh, we're going to be giving away a Brad Lidge Bible figurine. Uh, that is on August 5th. It's a 135 game of Sunday. So that's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, that's going to be an awesome weekend for sure. And, hey, John, I know the answer, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Any chance you could talk to the Pro Football Hall of Fame to see if maybe they could adjust their schedule? Because, as you probably heard, Brian Dawkins, the great Eagle, is scheduled to get inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton that same weekend. I heard, unfortunately, you know, Brian got inducted after we had set the schedule. So it, it, there was a conflict. So I know that some Philadelphia fans are upset that they can't you know, go to both. But, uh, unfortunately, that's kind of the way it is. And we put our schedule in advance. So, unfortunately, it's on the same time. Yeah, I got you. Hey, uh, I know you have a lot of Hatfield dollar dog nights. Just wondering, how many hot dogs do you sell on a typical night when they're a dollar? Uh, that's a great question. Um, so it depends, obviously, the crowd. But I think, I mean, if we have like 30,000 people in the in the stadium, then we're probably selling close to 25,000. So <laughs> 30,000, which is pretty good when, 
you consider. So that we've been doing that for a long time, and that is that is a very, very, very popular promotion. That and we continue to do that throughout the years, and it's a lot of fun. We all Smiley the Pig from Hatfield come out and fanatical shoot with his hot dog launcher. So it's uh, it's always fun to do the uh, Phillies Frank's Dollar Dog Day. Yep. Final question, John. What are your expectations for this year's Phillies after a 66-win season a year ago? I think we're past the rebuilding stage, and I think when we hired uh, or we when we signed. Carl Santana. That said, that we want to up the we want to up the uh, speed of when we're doing this. You know, if you look at our record from the All Star game to the end of the season, we were right around 500, and we were our offensive stats jumped up, our pitching stats jumped up, and a lot of it was basically when we had Reese Hoskins, Nick Williams, and we start, started bringing up the the young guys who can be part of the future. We're seeing what Alfaro can do. We're seeing J.P. Crawford. You know, should be exciting as far as you know getting on base. We have the addition of Carlos Santana. We have another year experience of Reese Hoskins and Aaron Altair and uh, Herrera, uh, Nick Williams. I mean, it's it's a young team. And we also, you know, Cesar Hernandez was one of the, you know, real good players, but waiting in the wings is Scott Kingery. So it's a good problem to have that we've got two second bases. So to me, I think our offense will be very good. Our defense will be very good. I think a lot of it's going to come down to to what we talked about in the very beginning of the program is what what are we going to have after NOLA? In our bullpen, our bullpen, we added Nishak, you know, we brought him back. We added Tommy Hunter, who's a veteran, to go with the guys that, that really stepped up last year, whether it's Garcia or uh, Hector Neris or Adam Morgan. So I think the bullpen will be fine. Again, the big key is that two through five. Absolutely. John, I'll look for you uh, next week when I'm down there. Thanks for joining me here on Philly Press Box Radio, and enjoy the 2018 season. All right, Chad, really appreciate it. Go Phils. Hey, Chuck, good stuff. Uh, what what do you think about that powder blues? I know uh, they were pretty popular back in the day. Yeah, they were back in the day, but I'm not a huge fan now. I like a lot of the retro stuff, but I'm kind of over the powder blue thing. So I could live without those, but I guess it's only five Thursday games, so eh, it's all right. Actually, in the uh, in the collection, in the Furman collection, I have a original powder blue Billy DeMars jersey from back in the day. <laughs> Billy DeMars, I remember him well. Yeah, yeah. well, you know, I could at the time I certainly couldn't afford one, so I was able to get a coach, and I was happy to get it. Nice. Hey, nice. I have another question for you, because I already had this on my list, and it will fit in right here. What do you think about that Roy Halladay hitting the Wall of Fame already? Yeah, that's – boy – and you wonder if they would have done it, you know, had he not unfortunately lost his life in the crash. He only played, what, three, three and a half seasons with the Phils. Um, he was certainly great for two of those years. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of the decision, to be honest. I mean, he was great in the short time that he was here, but the keyword, short. So... He's not, you know, a Chase Sutley, a Jimmy Rollins, a Ryan Howard, a Mike Schmidt, a guy who played all or most of their career here. So, I don't know. It kind of feels like a cheat when you're giving it to somebody who was only here three or four years. I mean, we we talked about Jim Tomey being here only four years or whatever when he got put in. So, I hate to say it because, you know, he was a great guy. He lost his life. Uh, We miss him. But I don't know that it was the right decision. I am going to agree with you on that, and uh, I'll tell you, even though he also had a short career, but if we're giving out short career awards, I'm putting Brad Lidge in after his perfect season before I'm putting some other people in, if we're going going short seasons. Now, see, if they gave me a vote, I wouldn't wouldn't even vote to put Lidge in, because he was good for a couple of seasons, but really that first season here when he was perfect, that was his only great season as a Philly. His next two years, eh, kind of so-so, to be honest. Right, wore out his arm. Absolutely. So I, yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I'm not, uh, I'm not on the short award list. Let's talk Hamels, Utley, Rollins, Howard, those kind of guys before we start yeah. talking about these other guys. And see, that's the issue. They're no-brainers, but they're not really – eligible yet i guess because they want to wait till they're you know out of the game for four or five years or whatever they made the exception in Halliday's case i guess um but those guys you know are going to be down the road and there's nobody else who is a lead pipe cinch as richie ashburn would say uh to be in there so maybe they stretched a bit to go with Halliday right here 
I don't know. Yeah, and, and of course, and Pat Gillick gone, going in as well. Yeah, they could have gone single with Gillick on this yeah. also. But, uh, you know, it's a, it's a good honor and something, you know, probably shouldn't be taken away from Holiday. Just not, not a Wall of Fame thing for me, at least for the Phillies. I'm with you. All right, but hey, as we mentioned in the opening chats, a couple big nights for the Flyers with the Penguins and Bruins, especially coming off of a not-so-good weekend in Florida, losing a 7-6 shootout to the Lightning, then not showing up at a 4-1 loss to the Panthers. A lot of sloppy hockey in those games. And the good news is that the Wayne train will be back in the lineup tonight. Yeah, we're all pretty happy about that. They missed Simmons the last few games for sure. It'll be great to have him back. But this is a real tough stretch for the Flyers. As you noted, they got just one point out of the two games in Florida over the weekend, played kind of sloppy. And now there are a couple more very tough games on the slate. As I mentioned to you on Sunday, we texted, I really thought they should have given Alex Lyon the starting goal Sunday after Peter Mrazek was in a shooting gallery the day before. But I guess Coach Haxtell is sticking with Mrazek for the whole ride here until the other guys, Elliot and Neuvert, are back healthy. Yeah, that's what it looks like. I was, And I agreed with you there, too, in our text. I was a little surprised with that. Uh, they needed a win. But, you know, it always looks bad on the goalie. But they were playing some crummy defense and uh, – I'm not sure a lot of that was on him, although he took a lot of responsibility, Mrazek did, that uh, that he didn't play well, but they didn't give him much to work with. we got to stop agreeing. I don't like when we agree so much. Let's talk about the Academy Awards or something. Uh, the what? <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> oh, Never I, mind. And by the way, I, I, meant to, I meant to throw this in uh, when you were talking about the Wheel of Fortune. You forgot to mention one of your idols, Macaulay Calkin, stepping up talking birds. I totally missed that. I didn't even hear about that. Oh, yeah, Macaulay Calkin. It was on the news or somewhere that uh, he said that it was wrong that the Eagles got shunned at your Academy Awards uh, for not getting mentioned. Why would they get mentioned at the Academy Awards? I don't know. You'll have to Google them because (laughs) I I wasn't watching. That's for sure. I don't know. I don't know. Enough about uh, that. Let's 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 switch gears, Bill. It is going to be time for me to put you back on the hot seat because it is week three of season two of Random Q2. Now, to refresh your memory, Random Q2 is a 10-week fun fest in which I ask Bill two little questions. The first question, a timely sports topic type of question. The second question, one of 10 random questions that have already been written down about whatever. Bill picks a number, and I ask him the question. So here we go. The whole segment takes two minutes. Nice and easy, nice and quick. Here we go. Uh, Bill, as John Brazier and I discussed, the Phillies' starting rotation after Aaron Nola is a big concern. As we speak here, three weeks shy of the March 29th opener in Atlanta, which Phillies starter not named Aranola is likely to have the best season and why? Um, I think I am going to go with that Jake Pavetta. Um, I believe, was it Larry? Nick Pavetta. Who, who was it? Was it Larry Anderson that told us uh, about him? Well, first of all, being healthy, getting his legs straight and gaining a lot of weight in his legs and muscle and uh, coming to camp in a whole different shape. I, I, I'm thinking I'm going to go with Nick Pavetta. Uh, yeah, but I think I think Larry was talking about Zach Eflin with the legs, that, if that's I'm not mistaken. It. Zach Eflin. Yep. That, I'm sorry. Okay. Bad. Zach Eflin. So Zach Eflin is your answer. Yes. Okay. I'm going to write that down. Uh, Boy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to instead say Jared Eikhoff, because I liked him a lot two years ago. He had a rough year last year, some injury problems. I'm going to say Eikhoff is going to be the big comeback guy this year. All right. Boy, For your be, second he's question. Gotta be, he's got to be consistent. Uh, yeah, absolutely. For your second question this week, Bill, I need you to pick a number between 2 and 10, as long as it's not number 8, because you, clo- uh, you chose that one last week. Yep. Well, how about uh, we're going to honor that Super Bowl champion, Philadelphia Eagles quarterback Nick Foles tonight. We're going number nine. Ah, Nick Foles, number nine. Let's see what that one is. Hmm. All right. Here we go. If you could see a concert of one band or singer who's no longer with us or who doesn't perform anymore, who would that be? And that could be someone you've already seen or someone you've never seen but wish you had. Oh, let's see. <laughs> A lot of possibilities. There are a lot, lot of possibilities, and I'll tell you, you might laugh at this, but I saw him actually about three months before he died in his last uh, 
concert at the Spectrum, and it was absolutely fantastic, and that was that Elvis Presley. I remember you mentioning that. Elvis Presley it is. You know, believe it or not, I think for me it would be cool to have seen Frank Sinatra back in the 50s or 60s, and I never got to see Led Zeppelin or The Clash, so, so they would be high on my list also. Yeah, I was going to mention Led Zeppelin too, uh, and I'll tell you who I also saw who died way too young that I just really enjoyed back when I was younger, and that was that Harry Chapin. Really? Oh, yeah. I'll sing, I'll sing for you. The cat's stuff. in the cradle and the silver spoon. Little yeah. boy blue and the man in the moon. There you go. I still listen to his music 30 years later. Yeah, he had a few uh, great songs. Terrific. He did. He did. That's, that's so, random Q2. That's it. Do I pass? Yep, you did well. I'll give you a B plus uh, tonight. All right. Well, hey, last <laughs> week we talked about the Sixers playing sloppy, losing two in a row, but they bounced back. They won three out of four. Should have won the fourth as they blew big leads against the Bucks to lose that game. All of a sudden, Ben Simmons is a is a dealing machine, averaging nearly 11 assists a game in March, and that is huge. Well, you know, Mark Zumoff told us last week that he thinks Simmons deserves to be rookie of the year, and he's certainly playing like it again uh, but the real key to Tuesday night's win was the reemergence of Robert Covington. So if they can get Rocco to stay hot and, you know, uh, J.J. Redick had a nice game in the win Tuesday night, if those guys are on, the Sixers can definitely win a round or maybe even two in the playoffs. Yeah, we even, uh, on phillypressboxradio.com, I even posted that uh, Robert Covington, welcome back. Yeah. Yeah, he was missing for a while, missing in action. He was missing. Now, let's talk about the pickups they made, because I know you were high on both of them, and uh, Ursen's gotten a lot of minutes. He's averaging about 20 minutes a game. They brought him in and put him on the floor. Yeah, they did. They liked him. I liked him when he was here uh, the first time around, and I'm glad to see him back. I think he's a great fit for this team. So I'm all for it. I'm just fine with him getting the minutes. He's a good shooter. It gives him another guy on the perimeter along with, you know, Sarich and uh, so many other guys who can shoot Kevin Covington when he's hot. So I, I liked bringing Urson back for sure. Yeah, I think, I think they just added more weapons. And, uh, you know, I, as I was looking up this, the uh, standings today, just to be sure I had it right to put, put in the show, and, uh, you know, only being a couple games out of third, I don't know that they can get all the way there. But it almost looks like they're locked into the playoffs because the ninth team is about seven games behind the eighth team. So they're almost locked in, and they could, they could maneuver around and pick up a couple more spots. Yeah, as Boop said, it would be great if they get up to number four, which they certainly can, because then you're getting the home court advantage for that opening round. So ideally they're going to get to three or four, and uh, hopefully they will. they got the easiest schedule in the league, they keep telling us, uh, for the last 18 or 19 games. So let's see. Yeah, 19 games is going to be fun. And let's see, Chet, let's just figure uh, 12 and 7. 12 and 7. So how many wins would that give them uh, towards your prediction? You know, I forget because I forget the numbers they have right now. So don't make me do math when I don't have the numbers in front of me. (laughs) Uh, Sorry about that. (laughs) I just thought thought that you would have that right at your fingertips because you like to tell me how you're right. Well, you know, normally I would know that, but I've been busy with the snow today, and it's kind of clouded my mind just a little bit. All right. They are 35. 47. That would get them to 47. There you go. 47. They'd be 47 and 35. If they, That would be an amazing year if they pulled that off. Yeah, well, I said 43, and uh, that's looking good. So I, 47 I can certainly see. All right. Well, hey, Chet, uh, moving along, I think uh, you're really going to surprise the listeners with what we're going to do next week. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's going to surprise a lot of people. No show next week. Our last week without a show was mid-July of last year. So, well, I didn't do the math, but that is eight straight months with a new show every single Wednesday. But you know what? We deserve a week off, and this seemed like a good time to take a little spring break for us. Well, and I know that I could use it, that's for sure. A lot of lot of crazy things going on in my world. Uh, but I know you've already got at least one guest lined up, I'm sure, and maybe even two for the March 21st show. So who's dropping by then? 
Yep, two guests, in fact. March 21st, two weeks from now, the second one confirmed today. We have longtime Phillies PA announcer Dan Baker joining us for the first time. You know that's going to be fun. Plus, we're going to talk pucks with the Hound, Bob Kelly. The Hound was with us 14 months ago, and with the Flyers in playoff mode, I thought it was high time that we had Bob Hound Kelly back. Awesome. Let's do it. I'm, I'm excited. Well, Kelly was great before, and uh, I'm excited to talk to Dan Baker. Yeah, me too. A great guy. And by the way, thanks to our pal Joel Valley for uh, connecting us with Dan Baker. I had met him twice, and I knew he was tight with uh, Joel Valley and Joe's father, so it worked out well, and I'm looking forward to having him back. All right. Well, hey, Chet, we have about um, 30 seconds. We have a caller. Let's, uh, let's see if we can get him on here. Let's see. Who's on with us on Philly Press Box Radio? This is Super Bowl champion Eagle Danny. Hey, Danny, we're uh, pressed for time, but we'll give you 30 seconds. What's on your mind, pal? I just wanted to real quick thank you guys. I hadn't had an opportunity to really thank you guys for airing my granddaughter's rendition of Fly, Eagle, Fly. Oh, yeah, that was awesome. Uh, wanted to thank you glad for we could do it. Nice little girl. And we're going to miss you next week. <laughs> oh, thanks. How, how, but, uh, did you, how did your granddaughter do with her teacher? <laughs> you know, you guys deserve a day off, but keep on shoveling that snow, man. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> I got to hire somebody. Thanks, hey, Danny. Danny, Danny uh, how did your how did your granddaughter do with her teacher uh, that she was on the on the radio? Great, great. They loved it actually. My uh, my son-in-law played my son-in-law played it for them, and they loved it. Awesome, awesome. All right, my man, well, uh, we, we appreciate you listening, appreciate you calling, and maybe I get to see you here in uh, this month down at Clearwater. I'm going to try to get down there, actually. So, uh, yeah, that would be great if we could look up. Very All good. Right. Thanks, Danny. Sounds good. All right, later. All right. Hey, Chet, uh, I told you about going to the Philly show. It was a huge hit. I was only there on Saturday, and it was packed, and, uh, you know, the most – they must be printing Eagles money somewhere in town because people are spending it like crazy. And unfortunately, Nick Foles and Lane Johnson had to cancel due to some flying conditions from that first storm. But there were about 12 Eagles there. The Penn State All-American linebackers were also a big hit. Uh, you got to go over to Carl's Cards. Uh, Merle Reese and Mike Quick were there. And uh, I always give you the business that uh, about your selfies, but that was a pretty cool picture of you and Mike and Carl uh, that you took. Yeah, that came out great. Great to see Merrill and Mike. And, of course, it's always good to see the legendary Carl Henderson. They had a real nice crowd. Merrill and Mike were terrific with everyone just days after their appearance on the Goldbergs on ABC. Mike Quick did a great job acting on that show, by the way. And I asked if he might have more acting in his future. He said, uh, thanks, but probably not. <laughs> well, and you know, Carl does a great job there getting those guys in. And it was great that you could uh, you could get the picture done there and, Man, I tell you what, the Eagles, well, everybody that was at the shows I was at, and I'm sure the same with Merle and Mike, uh, just been fantastic for the fans. Fans are spending money, but uh, they've been great with the fans, and it's been great to see them all out in the public. It's an exciting time for Eagles fans. It sure is. Well, hey, Mr. Chesco, we're getting close to the top of the hour, so uh, you have a parting shot tonight? Yep. I was reminded over the weekend that it was the 25th anniversary of, for me, one of the most memorable television moments of the 1990s. And that's saying a lot when you realize how much TV I watch. But yes, it was March 3rd, 1993, that ESPN bestowed the inaugural Arthur Ashe Award for Courage to former North Carolina State basketball coach Jim Valvano. Now, I'm an old softy, and I admit it, I couldn't fight off the tears in watching Jimmy V speak that night, and I still get chills and teary eyes when viewing the speech all these years later. His body full of cancerous tumors and his spirit challenged, Valvano acknowledging that his time on earth was nearing an end, somehow made it through a 10-minute speech that may well be one of the best ever given by anyone. He reminded us to do three things every day, laugh, think, and cry. That's a full day, he said. Another memorable quote from that speech, cancer can take away all of my physical abilities. It cannot touch my mind, it cannot touch my heart, and it cannot touch my soul. 
Coach Valvano died seven weeks later. But his Jimmy V Foundation has awarded over $200 million in cancer research grants and has become a major supporter of cutting-edge cancer research. We still haven't totally defeated cancer, but the fight goes on as we all think back to those seven simple words spoken so profoundly by Jim Valvano in 1993. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Yep, great simple advice that can apply to a variety of situations for all of us at various times. Thank you, Jimmy V. Well, Jim, it's funny that you mentioned that because as I sit here in my desk at the Philly Press Box, uh, sitting across or hanging on the wall, is that Jim Valvano's speech uh, with a don't give up, don't ever give up across the top of it, and the whole speech engraved in a couple pictures of Jimmy, and I leave it hanging here, and as you know, I had my own little little bow yep. to that and uh so yeah i look at it every day great stuff legendary I mean, right. that's something you'll never forget that's right well with that chet we've reached the top of the hour so let's thank our special guests bob Patron jr john brazer irish rover station house and bob sullivan's like your for their continued support of the show for jim chetchesco this is bill perman we hope you enjoyed the show we'll join philly press box radio in two weeks on wednesday march the 21st at 7 p.m You can listen to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, our Facebook page, or on the internet at www.blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, or on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Mixcloud. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans. Philadelphia Eagles for Bonnet 2 champions. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.